Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. For the Lord would say, do not doubt in your heart. Do not question my anointing. Do you not know that I am the creator that I formed and fashioned and made? I am a God who is able to move, to speak, and to reveal myself. I long to reveal myself to you. Open your heart. Open your ears. Forget those things that are in the past. Forget those things that man has said. And listen to what your heart is saying this morning. Because I have come to you today. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad this morning for the gifts of the Spirit that God still speaks? Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I want to share. <clears throat> I know it's, it's, it's been good. But I was wondering if I if I needed to say this or not, but I, I believe now that I do. And I'm going to try to stay on task so that I won't be long. Some of you might say, well, man, we've already been here for two and a half hours. No, you haven't. You haven't. It just just might seem that way, but you haven't. But I want you to take your Bible and turn with me first to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. How many of you know that everything that you do, everything that we do, we must never neglect the Word of God. Amen. Thank you guys for standing as we read God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want to start <clears throat> with verse 18, or verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. I want you to notice the last part of that verse. This is the Apostle Paul that's writing these words, and he said this, that 
We don't want you to be unaware or ignorant, brothers or sisters, of the things, the afflictions that happened to us in Asia. He said, for we were so burdened down beyond our natural strength. And he said that we even despaired of life itself. If you look up that word despaired, it means total loss of hope. It means a place of darkness. It means a place that you feel abandoned and lost. This is the Apostle Paul, y'all. This is the author of, of most of the epistles in the New Testament. But we don't, we don't talk about these areas a lot of times. And I know the service has been just awesome and powerful. But I believe this is a word that somebody here today, you need to hear this. Paul, this great powerful man of God, used mightily by God to spread the gospel to the Gentile church, says that there was a time that we were in so much affliction and that I experienced such a burden of pain and struggle that I was I was. Utterly beyond my strength. I had no strength left. It was to the point that I even despaired of life itself. In other words, Paul said I was so, so far down and so discouraged and so beat down that I couldn't even, I didn't even have any hope. I couldn't see tomorrow. Because I was so bound and so depressed by what I was going through today. <clears throat> I despaired even of life. Verse 9, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Listen to this. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raiseth the dead. Can I tell you something this morning? Paul was, <clears throat> Paul was in a place of deep despair. He was in a place where hope, it seemed, was gone. And perhaps he was saying, God, where are you? God, what's going on in my life? Because I'm beat down and I'm struggling and I'm battling and I can't see any hope for the future. But we had this sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. Listen, I don't know who you are this morning and I don't know where you are, but many people get stuck in that despairing of life. Many people get stuck in that place where they lose hope. Maybe you've lost hope in yourself. 
Maybe you've lost hope that there will ever be any healing for you. Maybe you've lost hope in your marriage. Maybe you've lost hope for your children to be saved. Maybe you've lost hope in that career. Maybe you've lost hope in the government. Maybe you've lost hope in your political party. Maybe you've lost hope in a best friend or, or something like that. And, and listen, but I want to tell you this morning, don't get stuck where you lost your hope. Listen to what Paul said. He said, but we had this sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Verse 10, one more time, and I'm going to let you sit down for an hour or two, okay? Verse 10. Now let me just kind of catch up. We had this sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but we trust in the God that raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. He delivered me yesterday, he is delivering me now, and he will deliver me tomorrow. Father, thank you for your word. Now, Father, let your word find its mark. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. Listen, I, I, had, I had these other scriptures but as I was leaving the house this morning, this, this passage of Scripture came to my mind. Because how many of you know that all of us, every one of us at some point in our lives, we're gonna, we will find ourselves in a dark place. We will find ourselves in a place of despair. We'll find ourselves in a place of depression and oppression. We will find ourselves somewhere in those vicinities at some point in our lives. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter how much you speak in tongues. It doesn't matter how much faith you have. There's going to be a time in your life that you will be like Paul, the apostle, that you will find yourself in a place of disparity or a place of depression or a place where you feel like it would be easier to give up than it would be to continue on. But I want to speak to you this morning because I believe today that, that I am talking to somebody and I might be preaching to the choir, I don't know. I might be preaching to one, I don't know, but I'm going to preach. Because this is the word that God gave me. 
God has dealt with me all week concerning depression and anxiety because it seems that everywhere I've gone this week, I have talked to somebody about anxiety. I have talked to somebody about depression, about despair, where they feel like they're just to give up. They feel like there's no hope. They feel like that, listen, and the awesome thing about the Word of God is that the Word of God doesn't cover up the problem. The Word of God doesn't cover up the Apostle Paul to make the Bible look good. This was a great man of God, but he said, I got to the place to where I was even despairing of my very life. In other words, Paul said, I've been down about as low as you can get. I've been down to the place to where I didn't think I was going to be able to rise above it. Aren't you glad this morning that the Word of God didn't cover that up? But it lets us know that if a great man such as Paul the Apostle could get down in that place, then there's hope for me. When I get down there, there's a way that I can rise up and get out of the mess that I'm in. I want to tell you this morning that it is not God's plan for you to live in depression and deal with anxiety every day of your life. And listen, I'm also not going to be too uh, far out to tell you this. There's clinical depression and then there's spiritual depression. The biggest part that goes on in the church, I believe, is the spiritual depression. Listen, if you've got clinical depression, go to the doctor. Go get you some help. Well, pastor, you know, if you had faith, don't tell me about that. I'm being real with you this morning, and I'm telling you today that sometimes God uses a different path than what I think to bring about healing. But I'm talking this morning because I believe there are people that are in this room today that you are not suffering and not dealing with a clinical depression or a a, a mental uh, anxiety that's brought about by uh, mental struggles, but you're dealing with the enemy that's trying to beat you down and keep you down and cause you from becoming what God wants you to become. Listen, the Bible says, and and I'm going to try to stay on task the Bible tells us the story in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19 of Elijah. And Elijah was another great, great man of God that was powerful, that was used mightily by God. And you know the story how Elijah went up on Mount Carmel and, and dealt with the prophets of Baal. And how that, that, that God answered by fire and consumed the sacrifice that Elijah had set out for him. And how they took a sword and, and slew the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Great victory. Looked at the people on Mount Carmel, the children of Israel, and said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. If you're going to serve Baal, then serve him. But if you're going to serve God, then serve God. Great miracle, great power, great anointing that day on Mount Carmel. But the very next day, or actually not even the next day, 
news traveled back from Mount Carmel, traveled back to Jezebel, which was the queen, Ahab's wife. <clears throat> Jezebel sent mess the message back to Elijah and said, God, do so to me and more also if I don't have your head by this time tomorrow. This great man of God that was used greatly by God was consumed with fear. And the Bible says that he picked up, packed up his suitcase and began to flee for his life. Can I tell you something? We need to be careful about over-exaggerating what we're seeing and what we're hearing and ignoring the power that we can't see. I want to say that again. The enemy will get you to over-exaggerate what you're seeing or hearing, cause you to stress out and worry and take you into a depression or take you into a place where your anxiety has got you so messed up that you can't focus. When God is saying, focus on me, you can't see me, but focus on me. You see what the enemy did with, with Elijah was... Elijah focused on what he was hearing with his ear and what he was seeing with his eye. And he began to run for his life. And the Bible says that, <clears throat> that he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And said, Is it, it's enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my father's. Isn't it amazing how that we can be in victory one moment and the next moment be in despair? Isn't it amazing how that so many times we can come to a service like today, we can enjoy the presence of God, we can bathe in the presence of God, but before the day is over, we're in despair. And we're dealing with frustration and anxiety. Why is that? What causes that? I believe it's because we listen to the wrong voice. We look at the wrong things. And what God is wanting to do this morning is to refocus somebody here today. Listen, Elijah looked at God and said, Lord, it's enough. Take away my life. Can you imagine? He had just stepped out of one of the greatest revivals that the nation of Israel had ever experienced. He had just stepped out of some of the most miraculous preaching and displays of God's power that the nation of Israel had ever seen. And now... He's sitting under a juniper tree, 
asking God, go ahead and take my life because I'm no better than anybody else. I want, I want to just real quickly, I want to give you something that happened to Elijah that I believe is going to help somebody here this morning. The Bible says that on down in 1 Kings 19 and verse 9 that Elijah came to a cave and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars and they've killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I want you to notice what Elijah said after God asked him the question, what are you doing here? Elijah said this. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord of hosts. In other words, Elijah said, God, I have put my best foot forward. I have done my best. I've been faithful. I've tried. He said, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And he said, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's left. And now they're seeking my life to destroy me. I want you to notice something there about what Elijah said. There's two statements that he made that were absolutely true, but there's one statement that was not true. And what I want you to focus on this morning is that the enemy can slide one lie into your mind that can wreck your day. Think about this. Elijah said, I have been very jealous or very zealous for you, Lord. True. He had been. He had been working and serving and laboring for God. And then he said, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant and they thrown down your altar and killed your prophets. Absolutely true. But then Elijah said, and God, I am the only one that's left. And now they're seeking my life. Not true. Lord, help me to get this across. The first two statements were absolutely true. I've been jealous. I've been zealous for you, God. I've been serving. The nation of Israel has forsaken your covenant. They've killed your prophets. They've thrown down your altar. Those things are true. But then Elijah said, but now I'm the only one that's left. 
Listen, had Elijah forgotten that God said, I've still got about 7,000 men in Israel that have not bowed their knee to Baal. I've still got an Obadiah that is still taking care of my prophets and bringing them bread and water in the cave and hiding them from Ahab and Jezebel. Have you forgotten, Elijah, that while you were on the Mount Carmel, that there were some people there that turned their face back toward me when they saw my anointing move? You see, what happens is, ladies and gentlemen, is that the devil will take one thing and get you ostracized away from everybody else and get you in a position to where you feel like you're all alone and nobody is around, and nobody cares. It doesn't matter about all the victory that you had yesterday. It doesn't matter about all the anointing that God used and worked through you yesterday. But God, the devil will get you to a place to where you feel like you're all alone. And you feel like the sun's never going to rise and the sun's never going to shine in your life again. And that's where the depression and the anxiety will begin to come. And the enemy will beat you down and beat you up and cause you to think that God, even God, could never pull you out of the mess that you're in. Even though you're anointed by God, full of the Holy Ghost, walking in power, know how to worship, know how to pray, know how to read the Word, know how to walk in the anointing, and know how to walk in the power of God's Word, you will find yourself in a place where you're so despaired and so frustrated that you feel like giving up and laying down, and you think that you'll never make it to tomorrow. But I want to tell you something this morning. The devil is a liar. Listen, the enemy will always direct your attention toward your deficits and hide your strengths. Let me say that again. You need to punch that into your iPhone. The enemy will always cause me to see my deficits while hiding my strengths because he wants me to focus on what I don't have and what I can't do, what I haven't done, what I've done in the past, what I've, where I failed yesterday where I messed up yesterday. He always wants to direct my attention to my weakness while hiding the fact, while hiding the fact that I am a blood-washed man of God, child of God. The devil wants me to see where I failed yesterday, but never let me know that I am a child of the living God. The devil wants me to remember where I messed up yesterday. He wants me to remember what so-and-so said yesterday and what they did to me yesterday while me always hiding the fact that I know how to pray, 
that I know how to walk in the anointing, that I know how to read the Word of God, that I know how to allow Holy Spirit to work in my life, but I can't see all of that because I can only see what's wrong with me and how messed up I am and how jacked up I am in my life. But I want to tell you something. God's wanting to turn that around. God's wanting to turn that around. Here's the thing, and, I, and I'm fixing to close. And everybody said amen. <coughs> Listen, 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 11, the Bible says this, that Elijah went to a cave. God told him to come out of the cave. By the way, God never told Elijah to go to a cave. But depression will drive you to the cave. The cave is a grave with one open end. Elijah went to a cave, got inside the cave, and was going to make that his home. God said, and I'm paraphrasing, God said, this is not where I've called you to be come out of the cave. The Bible says that Elijah came out of the cave and stood at the opening of the cave. And in verse 11 of chapter 19, God told him, he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And, be and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. The Bible says there was another thing that happened, an earthquake. The shaking of the ground. The rumbling and the rolling of stones and all of that. But God wasn't in the earthquake either. And then the Bible says there was a fire. The fire of God just came down. Begin to burn. But God wasn't in the fire. The wind, the earthquake, and the fire. All ways that God had previously moved throughout the Word of God. Hear me, hear me, guys. God used the wind to hold the Red Sea divided so that the children of Israel could walk across on dry ground. God used the fire to illuminate the path so that they wouldn't have to walk in darkness. God wasn't in any of that at this moment in Elijah's life. Oh, hear me, guys. See, I must be careful that I don't get so programmed with God that when God doesn't move like he used to, I feel like he has forsaken me. 
See, what God was doing to Elijah was this. I am trying to move you into another place of anointing. One of the downfalls of the charismatic church or one of the struggles of the charismatic church is that we're so used to the wind and the fire that we miss the move of God many times. Because sometimes God said, I'm not moving in the wind. I'm not moving with a shaking. I'm not moving with a fire. I can see Elijah as he stands there in the face of that cave, depressed, agony, despair, just let me die. And he's looking and saying, God, I saw the wind, and I saw the effect of the wind, but why are you not in the wind? God, I I saw the earthquake, and I saw the ground shake and rattle and roll, but God, why are you not in the earthquake? And God, I saw the fire, but God, I don't understand because you're even not in the fire. And then there was a whisper. Elijah. Elijah. I want to tell you something about depression and anxiety. One of the biggest contributors there is that we lose our ability to walk in faith. We lose our ability to walk in a faith that says God is still here. And we can be around all the sounds and all the racket and all of that stuff and still be alone. Feel like that we're all alone. But I believe this morning this is the word for somebody. God is saying, I am speaking in the whisper of a voice. And I am redirecting your life. I am redirecting your mind. I am redirecting your way of thinking. It's not what you're used to. It's not what you've done before. It's not like it was before. It's different. But you need to listen and hear the voice. Because when the voice of God begins to speak, and we hear it, it will change our lives. That was all a part of me closing. I've got to give you this, and this is a part of me closing the first time, okay? So I haven't moved on. I'm just closing. It's just a different closing. I want you to take your Bibles and real quickly turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 because I want to give you what I believe is is God's word that you can apply to your life. 
1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. I came across this the other day. I had never really paid any attention, and I saw this the other day, and it's just been burning in my spirit ever since. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him. What do you need to do with your anxieties and your struggles? You need to cast them on him. You say, Pastor, I've done that so many times, but I still feel like I'm carrying those things. Hear me out. Cast those things by faith. By faith. If this was my anxiety, my struggles, my depression, I'm going to do I'm going to do a prophetic gesture. I'm going to look at it and say anxiety, are you looking at me? Look at me for just a minute. This is my anxiety. This is my depression. I've tried to speak it out and I've tried to to talk it out but it's not working. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a prophetic gesture. Not based upon my own ideas but based upon what the word of God says. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all of my anxieties on him because he cares for me. So therefore, my anxiety, my depression, this is it right here. I'm just going to cast it away. Pastor, you've lost your mind. Well, you stay in your anxiety if you want to. Listen, I'm telling you something that I do. Sometimes you have to get real. Sometimes you have to have visuals so that you can see something. I threw that stuff down. But listen, I didn't throw it down in my own strength. And I'm not going to keep it down in my own strength. Listen to what the Word of God says in verse 8. It says, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Listen. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. What will he do? He will will do everything he can to cause me to pick that back up. He will even cause me to think that I'm still carrying it around. But I've got to be sober-minded and I've got to be watchful. I've got to be aware of what the devil is wanting to do in my life. And I've got to recognize that I'm not in a fleshly battle, but I'm in a spiritual battle. And that the warfare of uh, of my battle is not in flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual uh, entities and powers and principalities and rulers of the darkness of this world. It's the same thing that the devil told Jesus. If you are the Son of God, look at this stone and command it to become bread. Jesus said it is written. You see, the devil is always trying to get the child of God to pick something up that God has already delivered you from.
because he is our adversary. And he's always looking and seeking someone to devour. Verse 9 says this, resist him. Everybody say resist him. Resist him firm in your faith. Not in your sight, not in your hearing, but in your faith. I resist him in my faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now, look at verse 10. And after, everybody say after. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, not somebody else, not the preacher, not the deacon, not the Sunday school teacher, but will himself do four things. He will restore, he will confirm, he will strengthen, and he will establish you. Real quickly, I'm going to give you these definitions. The word re restore means to repair or mend. So we have the key. There's, there's some things in my life that I need to cast away. I need to throw them away. And I need to recognize that when I do that, that, that the enemy is going to come and try to get me to pick those things back up. It's the reason that so many people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol, cigarettes and nicotine and all that, you go good for a week or two, but then you get this idea, I made it a week, I can do it one more time and just, but it don't happen. Because the devil majors on getting you to take something up that you've laid down. But God said, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will repair you or mend you. In other words, God said, I see what you're going through, and I see that you have, have refused to give up. I see that you have refused to pick up that that you cast to me and you gave to me. He said, so I'm going to begin to repair and mend you, and then I'm going to confirm you. And that word confirm means he is going to turn you in another direction. He is going to redirect your life. And then the third thing, he said, he will strengthen you. See, depression depletes you of your strength. Anxiety depletes you of your strength. But God said, I'm going to strengthen you. And that word strengthen means that I am going to re-energize your soul. That word soul is your mind, will, and emotion. God said, I'm going to come and I'm going to restore you. I'm going to confirm you. And I'm going to strengthen your mind, will, and emotion. And then number four. He said, I'm going to establish you. 
That word established means I'm going to settle you. I'm going to set a foundation for you to rest on. See, when depression and anxiety comes into our lives, it rattles our foundations and sometimes even knocks us off of our foundation. But God said, I'm going to reestablish that foundation. That's not my word, ladies and gentlemen. That's God's word. I'm not, just, I'm not just saying this because it sounds good. I'm telling you God's word. And I know this is a little bit different, but I, there's somebody here this morning, you've been battling and you've been struggling and the medication has not done you any good. And I'm telling you this morning that there's a spiritual thing that's going on in your life that the enemy is trying to rob you, steal from you, and kill you. But I'm telling you today that, it, listen, Let me tell you this. If this is your depression, your anxiety, or whatever you might be struggling with, if this is it, and I want, because I, I want you to get this, I throw it down today. But when I wake up in the morning, I still see it, and I'm still struggling, and I'm still battling with it. That does not mean that God didn't honor what I did. Listen to me. But when I wake up in the morning, and I've still got that stuff in my mind, even though I've got my foot on top of it, it's still in my mind. Let me tell you something. That is when I have to rise up and resist the devil and recognize that what he is trying to do is get me to go back and pick it up. So I'm going to resist him. I'm going to refuse to pick it back up. I'm going to say to myself, self you laid it down. You gave it to Jesus. It is done with. It is over with. Walk in your victory. Believe by faith that God has heard and answered your prayer. And just continue to walk one foot ahead of the other. Quit allowing the enemy to infiltrate your mind and your thinking. I'm going to believe by faith that God is the victor. And God has given me the power over it. And I'm going to get up the next day. And I'm going to still do it again. And I'm going going to continue to walk and I'm going to say depression you're no longer a part of me you've got to go I'm going to say uh, anxiety no longer I'm not going to have that because I threw it down two days ago and I'm not going to pick it up and about a week later I get up and I'm still battling and you say well pastor God didn't hear you listen that's where we fail to understand faith that I've got to daily walk in faith and believe what God is going to do in my life. And one of these days when I get up out of bed, I'm not even going to think about what I threw down a week ago or two weeks ago. Why? Because God has set me free. He's broken the yoke of bondage. Oh, I wish I had time. To dig into this some more, but I, I want you to understand 
God wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you. He wants to give you your mind back. He wants to deal with the anger and the frustration that has been ruling you. And he can do it if we will understand. I've got to cast it away. I've got to resist the devil. And I've got to believe that God's going to restore me. He's going to confirm me. He's going to strengthen me and establish me. Would you stand with me, please? Listen, we've already had altar time. We've had some great worship. We've had great opportunities this morning. But here's what I want to do this morning, and I, and I want to do it real quick because I know some of you got your mind on the buffet. And you're thinking about that chicken on a stick or something. So it's kind of hard for me to get a spiritual thing across to you. But I want to get one more thing across to you. I want you to bow your heads. And I know you might need to go, but just give me just a minute, please, if you can. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is not about you and your neighbor. This is about you. I want to ask you this question. Are you this morning struggling with depression or anxiety or something in that area? If that's you this morning, would you be honest and just slip your hand up? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything like that. Amen. Amen. God sees you. God knows. You know what? There were just as many young people that raised their hand as there were older adults. Because depression and anxiety knows no age. But if you're here this morning, you raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. And I believe that Holy Spirit is going to begin to do a work in your life. And I believe that, I believe God's going to break that from over your life. But the first thing that you need to understand is this, that Jesus is the door. You want deliverance, you want healing, you've got to come through the door. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Just confess that you're a sinner and ask him to come in. I'm going to lead you through that prayer, and then we're going to pray for God to do a work on the rest of it. So if you raise your hand this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm not a born-again Christian, but I sure would like to be. We're going to pray this morning, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to let Jesus come into your life. I want you to pray out loud with me, okay? Everybody in the building so nobody will feel left out or something like that. I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, 
I come today. I confess my sins to you. I believe you are my Savior. I believe you shed your blood on the cross. I believe you rose again on the third day. Father, right now, I lay my sins before you, and I ask you to save me today. I thank you right now that the prayer that I prayed in faith that I am a born-again Christian, I'm a child of God. Now, Father, I come today, and I pray over these that have prayed that prayer. Those that have raised their hand this morning, I pray for them today. God, those that are dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety, I pray over them this morning. I pray over their, their spiritual minds. Father, I pray for the anointing today to begin to rise up in their lives. And Father, I break every yoke of the enemy. Father, I destroy every strategy and every plot and every plan that the enemy has lined against them, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, God, I pray today, Father, that you would move in their heart, move in their minds. Lord, this morning, Father, we by faith today, right now, cast that stuff to the ground. We cast it to you because we know that you care for us. And, Father, we're going to thank you that you're going to restore, that you're going to strengthen, you're going to establish, and you're going to bless these in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Now, listen, one more thing. If you prayed the prayer this morning and gave your life to Christ, please let me know. Please tell somebody and let us know because we want to help you grow and we want to help you mature in your walk with God. Amen? Amen.